0: listening to crush performance your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information get the crush blogs podcasts and performance links at crushperformance.com now here he is the crusher difference between highly successful people and highly competitive people when you look at the research and data there appears to be a difference a very interesting difference highly successful people are well much more successful than highly competitive people and we're talking about people from all walks of life athletes coaches business people musicians and actors lawyers chess players chefs and real estate moguls you name it The question then must be why. Why is it that highly competitive people don't necessarily make the ranks of highly successful people? And what do highly successful people do that's different from their highly competitive counterparts? It turns out the major difference lies in how they think. Highly successful people think and operate much differently than highly competitive people. And to be clear, highly successful people can also be highly competitive. In fact, the majority are, it's almost a prerequisite, a key trait for becoming highly successful. But the big difference is an important one. Highly successful people have figured out how to tame and channel their competitiveness and turn it into an advantage rather than letting that competitive nature take over and derail their intentions. How exactly do they do this? That's exactly the question we intend to answer on this episode of Crush Performance. And to help us do this, we spoke with one of the Crush Hall of Fame guests, performance specialist, Dr. Jacques Delaire of Performance Prime. Dr. Dallaire has worked with top performers from athletes and sports teams to business leaders, military special forces and first responders to medical professionals and many, many others. He has an incredible perspective on what performance thinking and performance mindset are all about and how you can make key adjustments to boost your performance right now. Adjustments that include understanding what you should be thinking about, how to organize your focus and your thoughts, how to develop the mindset that separates those who succeed from those who don't, and how to take your competitive nature and turn it into an asset. Highly successful people have figured out how to make themselves valuable, and in the world of sport, let's face it, it's a commodities market, and the main commodity isn't just talent and skill, but more so how you use your talent and skill, how you execute in the time of need. This is a common theme seen among highly successful people. Could it also be one of the common themes among highly successful teams and organizations? Here's Dr. Jacques Delaire of Performance Prime.
1: I think there are common themes. I think one of the common themes that you would see in a successful team is that individual members of that team uh, generally are able to bring their best performance to bear on the, in their own job very effectively. And if you can imagine, a team where every member of the team, regardless of the position they play, brings their A game to what they do on each and every day, whether it's practice, whether it's the game itself, and they deliver their route, their performance as a top drawer performance. By and large, the results of the team's looking for tend to take care of themselves in those situations.
0: Yeah, I guess that's an interesting concept. and That's almost common sense if you think about it. Yet it's pretty interesting, you know, if we look in sports or in business for that matter, we see some businesses that have equal opportunities and good employees, but yet they just don't seem to click or succeed. It's the same thing in sports. We see a lot of teams right now. We could take the NHL or MLB where we have rosters that are jam-packed with talented young players, yet they don't seem to have team success. We might have a player or two that really shines and puts up numbers, but the team as a whole doesn't succeed. And that's a really interesting paradigm for me.
1: I think one of the issues that people tend to wrestle with is they look at the individual capabilities of the various players and they say, wow, individually, these people excel. The question is, are they able to bring that kind of performance together when it's required on, on game day? and deliver that performance within the context of the plays that they've got on the table and the things that the, the, the things that they have to do as a group. In the end, uh, highly successful people actually don't focus very much on results. And that is not a common trait. In fact, highly competitive people are very good at focusing on results, and sometimes that's how they shoot themselves in the foot.
0: Well, now that is an interesting perspective. You're saying um, a lot of the times successful people don't focus on the results per se, yet competitive people focus on the results. So what would we see in terms of a focal point for a a team or an organization who's all on the same page, working in unison? What would the focus be? I imagine if I were to guess, it would be uh, the task at hand.
1: You're exactly right. It's the process. Whatever the process is for their job, whether it's quarterback whether it's the guard, whether it's a receiver, it's on executing their job to the best of their ability. And if everybody on the team has that kind of focus, by and large, the results look after themselves. We know this to be true from our own experience. When we're in that sweet spot, call it the zone, call it whatever you want. When we're in that groove, what are we focused on, by and large? It's not the end result of what we're doing. It's actually connecting to what we're doing in the moment that we're doing it. And if we, if we focus on process, results look after themselves. The problem is if we focus on results, if we're worried about having the result that we so desperately want, and that's what preoccupies our mind, while we're engaged in the execution of whatever it is we're doing, we're not fully connected to the execution of what we're doing. The mind can only actively process one thought at a time. Rule number two. And if you're focused on the result, you can't be focused on the process. And that's the single biggest mistake that highly competitive people make. They're so results-driven, they tend to fixate on the result or the lack of result rather than the process of what they're doing.
0: We're talking with Dr. Jacques Delaire from Performance Prime. The website is performanceprime.com. Dr. Delaire, that's interesting. You know, I wonder if we were to go look at, let's say, business school, for example, and the approach that they teach at business school, you know, where it might be a monthly dividend or annual income or whatever it might be, that's a very result-focused sort of orientation. If we were to look at minor league sports as well, if we see young kids coming up, regardless of the sport, the focus is on the scoreboard. I wonder if we're creating almost a dysfunctional culture as we develop young professionals in business or young athletes in sports.
1: Well, you're you're right. I don't know if I would necessarily refer to it as dysfunctional, but certainly we're helping the very people we're, try- we're hurting the very people we're trying to help by causing them to sabotage themselves. I have never in 40-plus years of working with literally thousands of high-performance people, and I've, worked, I've been fortunate enough to work with people in the high-performance world, whether it's business, whether it's occupational pursuits like law enforcement or, or uh, pilots or whatever it happens to be, or any sport out there, many, many sports, stick-and-ball sports, unusual sports, skydiving, race car driving, and so on. And I've never had a single person come to me and say, my goal is to be a loser. I'd like to, I'd like to fail. I'm really hoping that I come in last this weekend.
0: No, no one's ever said that. Well, it's amazing.
1: Duh. duh, right? Yeah. Of course, no one, no one's interested in losing. Now, there are a lot of people who don't know how to win. There are many people who don't believe they can win. And there's a group of people who are simply not willing to put in the effort and the, and make the commitment that it takes to be a champion, to be successful. But everybody wants to win. Everybody wants results. So the real question isn't, Do we share the same goal to be successful? Because I can guarantee you that on any team you choose, any team that's struggling right now out there in the marketplace, every single one of those people wants to win. They want it desperately. Rising tide lifts all boats. We're compensated on the basis of results. We're promoted on the basis of results. And we might even lose our job if the results aren't there. Right. So results are really important. So how do we create results? I'll give you a simple equation. You create results by the product of A times B. What does that mean? The A in that equation is what I bring to the party at the moment of my performance. When I'm on the line and it's go time, the knowledge, the skill, and the experience that I bring to the table at that moment, it's what I've got. I can't wave a magic wand and all of a sudden have more. I have to earn it through sweat equity. I have to spend the time. I have to have the experiences and so on. Now, it's not good enough to have knowledge, skill, and experience at the high-performance level and even in developmental sport. I have to commit and put in the effort to bring it because I could be lazy, distracted, dehydrated, sleep-deprived, jet-lagged. Any number of things can get in the way of my delivering my best performance. So the A is only one of those factors. Now, let's say for argument's sake, that, it's, uh, that a player brings his A game, honest to God, best performance they're capable of, to their role, are they guaranteed to get the result they want?
0: No. Not at all, no. right? No, there's too not many other all. variables, right? There's too many other variables.
1: No, no, actually, there's just one other variable. Oh. There's the B. Because remember, the performance equation reads A times B equals results. Right. So what does B represent? B represents all the factors that I can't control,
0: Uh. including
1: what my competitors do. Is it not true? Pick any sport or any occupation out there. The results we accomplish are a product of what we bring to our performance in the moment when it's called on, influenced by the many things we can't control. It doesn't always mean that they're B minuses. Sometimes it works in our favor and it's it, it's a B plus. Sometimes we're the windshield instead of being the bug. In other instances, the Bs are very large and they have a significant influence on the outcome. In other instances, they exist, but they're small and their influence, their impact on the outcome is negligible. But the truth of it is, results are a product of our performance influenced by the factors we can't control. And here's the kicker. If this equation is true, we need to accept that we can't control results as much as we wish we could. It's simply outside of our control. And it's outside of our control because we can't control the B factors in that equation. Right. What's the only thing in that equation we can control?
0: Hmm. I like it. Our own performance. Our own,
1: uh, our own performance. Yeah. And yet, how many people do you think, do you know yourself from your experience, are worried about the result or thinking about what the lack of result might represent while they're engaged in the action of what they're doing, while they're engaged in the task? Wow, a lot. And and I can tell you what the numbers are, because one of the questionnaires that I do in my profiling of the clients who visit with me is to try to understand how is your central processor distributed? How is it deployed in the moment of your performance? And it doesn't matter whether I'm looking at a group of C-suite executives, a group of race car drivers, a group of high-performance uh, law enforcement or firefighters. It doesn't matter what the group is. The numbers are approximately the same. 30 to 35% of our dominant thought is directed toward the result. Hmm ten to twelve percent on average toward the fear of screwing up fear of failing and everything that that might represent and only fifty to fifty five percent of our dominant thought is directed towards the only thing that is within our control
0: so we're almost shooting we're almost shooting ourselves in our foot before we get going
1: and that's why i said sometimes the most competitive people are the ones who have the, the largest caliber gun that they shoot themselves in the foot with because <laughs> highly competitive people are even more results-driven. And if you're focused on results, result, you can't be focused on the process at the same moment in time.
0: Oh, That's great. We're talking with Dr. Jacques Delaire, author of Performance Thinking. Well, Dr. Delaire, if we are to take all this into consideration now, let's talk really quickly about environment then. How important is it? If I, Let's say I'm an executive for a business or I'm a general manager or a head coach for a team. It would seem to me then the environment we put our individual performers in is all important then in terms of the focus and the outcome and what they're able to do within that within that environment i would think then if we were to go and evaluate environments out there we would probably see a lot of very common traits between organizations that aren't succeeding and organizations that do succeed
1: you're absolutely right and to give you a bit of insight into that i'll share with you something that i've observed over the last 40 years in fact I ask my clients, you know, once I soften them up and they get comfortable, I ask them, what the heck are you doing here? What do you want out of this experience? What is it that you want to change about you that you know in the moment of your performance, when you're on the line and it's go time, why is your performance not always one of those superlative yes moment performances? Right. Sometimes we're able to manifest, but not all the time. Why is it that a lot of times our performance is just average? What stops you from delivering your best performance in the moment when it's required? And I'll tell you this, it doesn't matter what culture they're from, what language they speak, how old they are, whether it's a man or woman, or what their job is, or sport. 90% or more of my clients have told me the same two things. What do you think it is, Jeff? What do you think stops people in the moment of their performance from delivering the virtuosity that sometimes they're able to manifest?
0: I'm going to say uh, confidence might be one of them, or lack thereof. Confidence is one. And the second one, I can't put my finger on the second one because my mind's going all over the place.
1: It's Uh, the most important of all. It's the holy grail. And once I tell you, you'll say, but of course.
0: Maybe... Uh, maybe I'll say um, uh, what they're thinking about. Maybe what they're concentrating on. You got it. Okay. All right. I did okay. Consistent, I passed the test. <laughs> Confidence and correct focus. Oh right. Okay. Because you know what people people
1: say they come and visit with me often. and They say okay. So all I have to do is focus more. And how often do you hear a coach, the greatest players, say you guys are not focused and you got to focus harder.
0: Right. You hear it all the but time.
1: You hear it all the time. You hear it in school. You hear it on the playground. What if the thing you're focused on is the wrong thing? How does focusing harder help?
0: (laughs) Touché. I get it. It doesn't, does it? No, heck no. The problem
1: works. So the issue is not focusing more. It's focusing correctly. Right. And that is to say, focusing on what is relevant to your performance in the moment you're delivering it. And that's where execution lives. And that's why a results focus works against you. Because if you're focused on the result or the, the fear of not getting it, what are you not connecting to? What you're doing in the moment you're doing it. And you remember that distribution I talked about on the A times B equals results equation? Yes, it changes dramatically when you talk to people about their moments of brilliance of personal brilliance their moments of being in the zone 90 to 95% of their attentional focus is connected to what they're doing to execution 0% on fear of failure and only 5 to 10% on the actual outcome
0: wow well hey
1: do- so do- the big shift is a shift Away from worrying and, and fixating on the result and instead focusing on execution excellence, on the process of what you're doing. And the good coaches, they know that the result is going to be a consequence of how, of how well the player executes. And so what their coaching is directed toward is the execution itself, what they need to do in the moment they need to do it.
0: Sure, because that is hard for an athlete or, or uh, uh, an employee of a business or an executive. Sometimes it's hard to, you know, when you're in the picture, sometimes it's hard to see the picture, right? So it's great to have that outside influence, and, and I would think, you know, in circumstances like this where, you know, you might be foc- focusing in or, or concentrating on the wrong thing, that outside influence becomes all-important at times.
1: For sure, and, and you end up being distracted because people say, I need to focus correctly. Because I'm often very focused, but if I'm focused on the wrong thing, my performance tanks. duh, right. That's not exactly rocket science. No. <laughs> is it?
0: no, it's not if you think about it.
1: The race car driver who's thinking about the corner, he just blew as he drives into the next corner. what's more likely to occur?
0: Yeah, and that gets scary at those mile per hours, and that's a I guess that's a great analogy for almost everything we do
1: the salesman who goes into a sales call who's really worried about making the sale because of what it's going to represent to his month-end numbers, what the boss is going to say, whether he's going to be able to get his bonus to pay for the orthodontic work that he has uh, waiting for him on the, on the desk at home. Um, how effective do you think he's going to be on connecting with the potential client and really delivering the value proposition? And remember, in general... People give up 45% of their attentional focus, their dominant thought, to worrying about things over which they have no direct
0: control wow scary stuff we're talking with Dr Jacques delaire the uh founder of performance Prime you could check them out at performanceprime.com worked with hundreds of athletes race car driving seems to be a real big part of your business but uh also executives business development team development you have great programs over there at performance Prime one of them is the individual approach which I really appreciate here you know the success of the organization it sounds like is really dependent on the success of the pieces inside of that which would be the players on a team or the employees of a company. So we got to think that great leaders really have this amazing trait of making sure everybody has a clear definition of what their jobs are and what they're supposed to be doing. And I think that makes a lot of sense if we look at some of the successful sports teams we see out there and some of the great businesses who have, you know, persevered over time. They have this culture of performance. And maybe this has a lot to do with it, what they allow their athletes and their employees to do, not so much what they don't allow them to do. That's
1: right. It's a a a culture of execution. And how many times do you see, unfortunately, in a business uh, environment and as well as a sport team environment, uh, if we don't accomplish our numbers, if we don't get that, get the result that we want, we throw the individual who we deemed responsible under the bus.
0: Right. The fingers start pointing, don't they?
1: Yeah, and the reality of it is we can't control results. Now, we can optimize results. and right. That's what we work towards. Yeah. But the reality of it is we can't control results. It may in fact be that the individual that we throw so easily under the bus actually did a superlative job. Factors outside of their control denied them the result they were looking for. And what do you think happens to the culture of an organization? When people work their butt off, do the best job they possibly can, and through no fault of their own, a factor outside of their control derails the the results that everyone so desperately wants, and people get their heads chopped off. What do you think it does to the culture of the organization?
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. It's incredibly destructive.
1: Sure, because every other employee sees that and says, oh, my God. God, it's not, it doesn't matter that we're doing a good job and working hard. If we don't get that all-important number, we're gone. So what do you think they focus on more and more?
0: Yeah, they worry about, hey, they the worry number. about... Yeah, the number. No, yeah, you're right. And if you're focused
1: on the results, on the number, what are you not so effectively focused on?
0: <laughs> Amen. The process.
1: And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Wow. And that at the heart of it is the difference between highly effective organizations and organizations who
0: struggle. You know, Dr. Delaire in, uh, in my experience. Yep. In my experience. Dr. Delaire, you know, um, it's interesting. I think this could apply to a family life as well, the way you raise your kids or the environment you bring your kids up in, and that might be a real powerful one, as well as schools and teachers at schools. There are applications across the board here.
1: Well, it's funny that you say that. The book I'm working on now, uh, my operational title is Helping Kids Perform. Mental skills that every parent, teacher, and coach should master.
0: Wow, I like it.
1: And the reason is, we don't even realize it, but the way we communicate with our kids and how we help them to understand success and failure either arms them with tools that will carry with them through the rest of their life and make them high performers, or it serves as the underlying crippling cause that has people lose confidence, lack self-esteem, and never want to take on the big challenges that life has to offer.
0: Yeah, and again, I think that might be a self-fulfilling prophecy as well because, you know, I, I think, you know, in my experience working with high-end athletes, uh, the guys that have been through the trenches and really dedicated themselves, they're not afraid to fail. They're not afraid to take it in the chin because they know they'll adjust and bounce back. But then you have those other guys that are so afraid of failure, uh, and that might have a lot to do with the upbringing.
1: Absolutely. They won't even try. Right. Because everything in their in their upbringing was focused on results. And they won't try something if there's a chance the result might not be good. So they deny themselves even the opportunity to participate. And how many times do we hear, unfortunately, parents screaming at their kids, whether it's a hockey dad or a soccer mom or, a, you know, a baseball dad, it doesn't matter, derating them because they didn't win the game, or they didn't score. We hear it often. All the time. So what is that doing to that individual? It's destroying the love of the game, and every time they step up, what is their dominant thought? A fear of failure because of the disappointment they will cause to their parents, to the team, and letting everybody down, so they become timid, and their focus is on not screwing up. And rule number three of the mental road says you can't not think about whatever is on your mind. The more we try not to think about something, what do we end up doing?
0: Yeah, It, it becomes thinking, thinking
1: about it more. Sure,
0: it becomes all-consuming. So we, picture, we picture every
1: single way in which we could screw up. We picture it vividly because our imagination is good. And rule number four says your dominant thought, whatever it is, whatever you choose it to be, determines your emotions, your behaviors, and ultimately your performance. Hmm. And if if we were face-to-face, I could show you in a way you would never forget.
0: Ah, uh, well, I can't wait till that day happens, uh, Dr. Delaire. I'm telling you right now because I like the idea of that dominant thought. The dominant thought is all-consuming. So if we control that dominant thought, we have a real chance of reaching our potential or reaching our goals, whatever they may be.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think, you know, I come back to the Holy Grail. I am convinced after 40 years and literally thousands of high-performance people from many walks of life, from that experience. And I've been lucky. The people I work with tend to be in the top 1% to 3% in the world at what they do. Mm -hmm. Many of them are multiple world champions, series champions, highly successful people. Every one of them will tell me that they do their best work when they're relaxed, Focused on the task, energized, and don't even think about the outcome.
0: Right. Well, absolutely great stuff. Dr. Jacques Delaire, the uh, website is performanceprime.com. The book is Performance Thinking, and the new book on the way is Helping Kids Perform for uh, Parents, Coaches, and Teachers. I really like the sounds of that one. Uh, Dr. Delaire, in the final minute here, any closing remarks as we sort of wind this up? It's been a tremendous conversation here.
1: Well, I appreciate that. I guess uh, I would leave you with this parting thought. It is a fundamental truth that we cannot do better than the best we can do. So what we have to do is we have to work at staying out of our own way and allowing ourselves to simply deliver the best we've got. And if that becomes what we focus on, we have to ultimately get to the point where we emotionally trust that whatever the result was, as a result of that experience was the best that it could possibly be in that situation, except for the influence of those darn b factors
0: right and let's face it those B factors it's as we simple, bring
1: it's a simple framework, isn't it
0: yeah, it's very simple, and but those it's
1: profoundly true
0: yeah. And those B-factors, they're the same for everybody, so that's kind of a wash almost. You know, if we're talking about competitors at that time, so do, do those B-factors become a wash, do you think, or are they something that we just have to respond to accordingly? Well,
1: some of some do. You know, weather yep. affects everybody. But there are, it's not to say we ignore the B-factors. Part of preparation, part of being a professional and being a champion is preparing and putting plans in place to mitigate the more common Bs that occur in our environment. Right. So that if they do arise, we simply pull that plan off the shelf and implement. We don't sit there worrying about them possibly showing up while we're in execution mode, we just execute. Yeah. And if one of those B factors arises, we simply deal with it.
0: times B equals results. It's brilliant. It's brilliant in its simplicity and at the very same time, brilliant in its complexity. There's a lot to unpack from our discussion with Dr. Dallaire, but for me, the performance equation is ground zero. A times B equals results, where A represents what you bring to the table, your training, your dedication, your approach, your talents, your execution of those talents. And B represents all of the other factors that you simply don't and cannot control. Just as Dr. Delaire said, the results we accomplish are a product of what we bring to our performance in the moment it's called on. The A's influenced by the many things that we can't control the B's. And this is interesting because the B's can be very large and they can have a profound influence on the outcome. Things like weather, rain, snow, and the wind. And then sometimes the bees are small and their impact on the outcome is negligible. And there are times where the bees can turn out to be even a plus, the wind blowing the right way. Or maybe you have a great equipment guy who sets you up with superior shoes for changing weather conditions when the other team is slip sliding away. This simple performance equation, it explains so much. And at the very core of it all, you just can't be thinking about results when you should be thinking about the process you need to be executing. So while highly competitive people are very good at focusing on results, which is how they sometimes shoot themselves in the foot, no matter the situation or circumstances, highly successful performers operate differently. They don't focus very much on results. They focus on process, the process that will lead them to the desired result, a focus on the execution of their job to the best of their ability at the very moment when they need to execute. If you're focused on the result or worried about the result while you're trying to perform whatever it is you're doing, you aren't connected to the process of executing that task. You can't be, it's literally impossible. The mind can only process one thought at a time. It is impossible to have two thoughts in the exact same moment. And if you're transfixed on the outcome or your results, you can't be 100% all in on the process. And here's the thing, if this is how you operate, you'll never compete successfully at the top levels. At the top levels, you have to be 100% in the game at every moment of the game. The good news, It's trainable. You can be more in control than you may think, but you have to stay frosty out there because your environment and the people in your environment can be great influencers for good or for bad. Last week, we looked at the power of coaching and the benefits of consistent long-term coaching. One of the quotes we mentioned came from Coach Belichick, who said, good players can't overcome bad coaching. It's impossible. This is so true. And if you're an athlete and your coach or your parents or your teammates or your friends even are hyper-competitive and focused on results, proceed with caution. Don't get caught up in that game, which is hard to do when your peer groups focused on results. I've seen this in virtually every sport and at every level of competition. The focus on outcomes and results. It rarely turns out well. So coaches beware you may very well be hurting the very people you're trying to help by putting too much emphasis on results and outcomes causing your athletes to sabotage themselves by focusing too much on the things they simply don't control. In sport and anywhere we're trying to accomplish a goal or achieve an outcome. There are just too many variables that are out of our control to be worried about the results. The results therefore can't be a major focus or even a goal for that matter. That's why we never let our athletes identify a result like winning as a goal. Yes, for sure, we definitely want to win, who doesn't? But the road to winning doesn't start with a win. It starts with how you're going to go about making that win happen, the process you're going to execute. So for our athletes, winning is most certainly a desired outcome, but our goals revolve around tangible factors that are in our control. They have to be things like training and preparation, practice, sleep and nutrition, strength, speed, agility, and power, or maybe a mastery of a technical or tactical skill or teamwork in a competitive setting. A times B equals results. How am I going to operate my process times all of the things that are out of my control equals results. Remember, we don't control the result. All we can do is respond to it in the best way possible. We have athletes in our system right now where winning's not even a desired outcome because of where they're at in their development or their phase of training. There are times when winning's just not in the equation. If it happens, great, but we may be focused on a part of their game or performance where we forfeit any hope of winning right now for the purpose of development or mastery of a particular aspect of their performance. With the idea that a year from now or two years from now, we'll have a complete skill set that will then allow us to execute a process where we're winning consistently. But even then, winning's still not a goal. It just can't be. Executing the plan, the athlete's process is the goal. And if we do that well, well, we have a good chance of putting a big W in the old win column. If we win, great. If we don't, we look at why, and then we ask that all-important question, why not? If you can answer that question clearly and concisely and then build on it, you have a chance at prolonged success. In our programs, why not is the most important question we ask, and we ask it all of the time. Remember, a question accurately defined is already partially solved. This is why if I have one wish for each and every athlete, coach, and sport leader I work with, it's to help them become masters at problem solving and decision making. This is the key to tapping into your true potential. Do we know how good we can actually become? No, we absolutely don't. Even if you're already competing at a world-class level. Can you be better? I'd say yes. I've not met an athlete at any level that we've not been able to help improve. Just how much better can they get? Well, that we don't know. Not until we go through the process. And in sport, the physical stuff, well, that's easy. We have that down. You just need to do the work there. But your attitude, your mindset, your approach, all of the things that make up the crush brain game, they may be even more critical than the physical side of sport performance. Because if you're not nailing the brain game moment by moment, it's virtually impossible to nail the physical side of performance at all. The good news, the mental side of sport is as trainable as the physical side, and its impact can be game-changing, and it's all part of the process when you think like an athlete. I'm Jeff Cruschel. crush podcast is recorded in the crush studios our distribution partner is radio influence digital media website and educational material is produced and directed by debbie crushell miss crusher the music graphics and video design by noah Alexen at Nolexen visual and sound and this is season 18 of crush performance to get the crush archives and to subscribe to the show go to jeffcrushell.com and follow me on social media search out crush performance Find out what it takes to be a top performer. Get the Crush blog, podcast, and newsletter at crushperformance.com.